Hi, this is Robert Cunningham, pastor of Preaching and Vision at Tate's Creek Presbyterian Church. We want to thank you for listening to this resource, and we hope and pray it will be a blessing to you. One quick word, though, before you listen. While we are honored to be a resource for you, we do want you to know that an online sermon is no substitute for congregational life. It's a good supplement, but what you need more than anything else is membership and involvement in a local church. If you are not a member of TCPC, I want you to know that listening to your pastor is far more valuable than listening to this. If you are a member of TCPC, I want you to know that joining us in worship on Sunday is far more valuable than listening online. So to everyone, we are encouraged that you have sought us out, but much more encouraging would be for you to seek out a local church community. That said, thanks for listening, and may God now bless you as you do. A couple of years ago, I went to Togo, Africa with my good friend Will Witherington here, and no amount of preparation could prepare me for how far outside of my comfort zone I was about to step. Food, smells, the drumming of voodoo circles late into the night, all of these things made me uncomfortable. But I don't know that anything pushed me so far outside my comfort zone as our dear brother Macklin Bossy's driving. Now, Macklin is an incredible driver. He may be the best driver. But barreling down Togolese highways with the wreckage of old vehicles on the right and on the left, and we're whizzing by scooters and bicycles and people walking on these two-lane highways, and Soviet-era semi-trucks are coming at us as we're passing these people, I was terrified and my nerves were fried. To me, when I think of the word comfort, I picture getting out of Macklin's car and stepping onto an airplane that was air-conditioned, offered Wi-Fi, prepackaged food. I was back in my comfort zone, stepped back into our Western world of comfort. And I hate to admit it, but I am truly the product of a culture of comfort. We love our comfort. We really do. And when life makes us uncomfortable and throws us out of our strength, we look to all manner of things to provide that comfort something to offer us a strengthening encouragement. In day-to-day life, it's often the little things that offer us a state of ease. But in seasons of affliction and deep discomfort, we look to many other sources for some form of strengthening encouragement, something to buoy up our hopes, something to give us confidence and strength. This is absolutely true of the last several months. As so many aspects of our lives are thrown into disorder, from the virus that requires the discomfort of masks and social distancing to the political and societal crises that face our land and are boiling over, we long for comfort. We are longing for a strengthening encouragement this morning. And Paul, in our passage, is writing to the church in Corinth, and he begins by speaking of comfort, true comfort. Now, this was a city that was highly, highly successful, a city whose honored public speakers boasted of their self-sufficiency that they secured through wealth and political power, enabling them to then live as free people, securing any number of comforts for themselves. We know that from 1 Corinthians, Paul uses the message of the gospel to redefine these people's vision of wisdom 
And here in 2 Corinthians, Paul uses the gospel to redefine their vision of power as these people were critiquing Paul because, as I quote, his bodily presence was weak and his speech of no account. So he uses the gospel to redefine wisdom and power. And in our text this morning, Paul redefines a vision of true comfort. When this people face afflictions and sufferings and discomfort, Paul wants to give them a new paradigm of comfort for where and how they're going to find a strengthening encouragement that they desperately need. And we, like the Corinthians, struggle to look to God alone for our comfort. Instead, we turn to anything that will ease our sense of inadequacy and weakness, fear and affliction. Paul gives us a vision of true comfort. So this morning, we are going to see three things from Paul's paradigm shift of comfort. We're going to see the provider of comfort. We're going to see the pattern of comfort. And we will conclude by looking at the purpose of comfort. Look with me at verse 3, and Paul is going to show us the true provider of comfort. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. Paul writes with intention. So where you see words repeated, we need to pay attention. And Paul here repeats Father and God that he uses to address, uh, he says, the Father and God of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he returns with Father of mercies and God of all comfort. And God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ reminds the reader of John 20, 17, where the newly risen Lord Jesus encounters Mary in the garden. And he says to her, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Because Christ died for us and was raised, we get to say, my God and my Father. And Paul is saying that this wonderful truth is the final and sure grounds of your comfort. Now, if you've been in the church for some time, I think that this truth that God is our Father can become something that we mentally assent to. We, we agree this is true. This is factual. Scripture tells us so. But it can be hard to see it as the deep source of comfort that Paul paints it as in our, in our passage. See, Paul prefaces these verses with the word blessed. Hallowed, glorified, worshipped, adored is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. These are not just facts to be acknowledged, but glorious truths to be experienced. Facts that drive us to worship. There is no heart different, indifference allowed in the verses that follow. Uh, Jason Wilson, the founder of a fathering and mentoring organization in Metro Detroit, posted a video this last week that some of you may have seen as it has gone viral. Wilson, uh, who as part of his organization, he, he teaches young people and their fathers uh, mixed martial arts. And so in this video, you see Wilson and he is facing, both in like a wrestling crouch, he's facing a man. And behind Wilson sits a young boy, that man's son. And Wilson begins, he looks at this father, and he says to him, Love is all a theory until it is tested. They can hear you say it all day, but until you show it, it means nothing. So I stand in your way to your family and your son. While he begins to face off in wrestling with this father, he tells the son to tell his father just how much he needs him. And the boy begins, I really need you, Dad. 
Sometimes when I'm alone and I play basketball by myself, I play it like you're playing with me. I always have hope when you're around. And you watch as these words that the boy speaks hit this father's ears, and he explodes. He expends every ounce of his strength to get through and around this master of martial arts to get to his boy and wrap him in his arms and tell him how deeply he loves him. Amazingly powerful picture of a father's love for his child. And part of why that video is so powerful, why it gained over 500,000 views in a week, is because it is a microcosm of God the Father's love for you and for me, of how it came to be that we get to call God Father. Paul writes in Romans 8.32 of this awesome dynamic that makes this truth a reality. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Friends, this is the source of your comfort. This is the grounds of your comfort, that the creator of the cosmos, who we rebelled against, did not even spare his own son so that he could have you. But when we feel weak, scared, helpless, angry, frustrated, any of the number of things that we could describe the last several months as, where do we look for our comfort? Economic uncertainty has certainly exposed to me how dependent I am on economic stability and a secure checkbook for my comfort. A virus that threatens not only my health but the health of loved ones and shows just the frailty of human life threatens our view of comfort. Political upheaval, social turmoil, all these things expose how much we look to a society that reinforces my values for my comfort. Daily rhythms being upset has exposed how simply dependent I am on normalcy for my comfort. But it is this very lack of comfort and affliction that God uses to draw us near to him so that he might provide us with true comfort. This leads us into Paul's explanation of God's intended pattern of comfort. So it's one thing to know know that God is the source of all comfort, But it's another thing to experience that. How is that comfort experienced in our daily life? Where is it that we are comforted? After giving us the source of comfort in verse 3, Paul provides the Corinthians and us with the pattern for comfort. He's going to show us that it is through our experience of suffering and affliction that God's comfort is found. What a seemingly backwards vision of comfort. Look with me at verses 6 and 7. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. So what's happening here is that Paul is promising that God's comfort, God's strengthening encouragement is found in the midst of suffering and affliction. Indeed, it's found through our suffering and affliction. He doesn't just, God does not just see that we are afflicted and then provide us comfort. In fact, he has a purpose for the suffering, for the affliction that we face. Unless we think that Paul, and thereby God, is giving us a trite view of human suffering, let's be reminded of the fact that God turned his face away from his own son who was suffering on the cross in order to end human suffering. 
But Paul shows us how this plays out. He uses his own life as an illustration. Beginning in verse 8. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. Notice Paul's description of suffering. Burdened beyond our strength. Despairing of life itself. Feeling as if they had received the sentence of death. And then he comes in with the purpose, the comfort. To make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. God uses our suffering and affliction to kill the self-confidence and self-reliance that would drive us to false sources of comfort. Calling us to dependence on our Father, the true source of comfort instead. Right before the world seemingly ended in March, uh, I was here at work about 11 a.m., and I got a phone call from my wife. And I could hear instantly the fear that was in her voice. See, she told me that our son, William, our two-year-old son, had just suffered a seizure. Now, what had happened was he had been sick with a bit of a fever, and that fever spiked, and it sent him into a febrile seizure. So I left my office totally freaked out, and I drove to UK, to the ER at UK. In the space of one phone call, I'm guessing those of you who have been parents a lot longer than me, I'm a rookie at this, but in the space of one phone call, my world was totally flipped upside down. Where I feel confident and competent and strong and secure, one phone call, totally thrown out of my strength. A little while later, and I'm sitting bedside in the ER as my wife holds our son, and there's tubes and wires, and nothing looks as it should with a two-year-old boy. He's totally asleep, and Jess, she gives him to me, and I get to sit on the bed, and I sit there with my son, who's fast asleep. He's out of it. He's lying on my chest, and I can feel the weight of his whole body pressing into me. And I'm just getting overwhelmed by anxiety and fear of, I can't do anything to help my son. And in a moment of immense comfort, I got a picture of the fact that this is the reality of God the Father with me. That he is supporting my entire being. Something broke in me. In the same way that bears lying here fast asleep, resting in my arms, dependent on me, that's the picture of the true Father's love and care and concern for us. Comfort filled my mind and my heart. My strength, totally exposed, laid waste. Only to find that I rest in the arms of a Father who raises the dead. This is the pattern of experiencing the comfort of God. Through trials, suffering, afflictions, these things expose the reality of just how weak and vulnerable we are. But it is there that God pulls back the curtains of what we think is reality, that thin veil we live in every day, and he shows us that it is he who holds us in his fatherly arms. God's comfort feels a lot like utter dependence on one who is perfectly strong. And that's what Paul gets at in these verses. God uses our affliction to make us rely, and I quote Paul, not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. What if affliction, in whatever form that it might take for you, 
is being used by God to turn us into children who are dependent on him alone for our comfort. What if this is one of his primary ways of our experiencing God's comfort through affliction? Can we look at things in the past and see God's deliverance, seeing that he uses it for our dependence upon him? Can we look to the things in the future that we fear, trusting that God will deliver us again, finding comfort therein? Even those things that seem to have no end, no fix, no resolution, can we look to his final coming for our deliverance and our comfort? This is why, with Paul, we will forever be able to say, He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our our hope that he will deliver us again. We have seen that God is the source of our comfort. We have seen God's pattern for comfort. Let's close by looking at the purpose for your comfort. The God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction, with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. The comfort that we receive from God is being given so that we can share it with others who are suffering or experiencing affliction. Very clear from the text. And until our comfort turns us into comforters, we are not fully experiencing the comfort of God. Paul quotes Jesus in Acts 20.35, saying that it is more blessed to give than to receive. And you can see that principle playing out as he speaks of comfort in these verses. Look at verse 6. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort. So what's happening here is that Paul is connecting our sharing of that comfort that we have received and we have experienced. He connects the sharing of that with the salvation of others. What an incredible statement. Through our sharing of the comfort we receive in Christ from the Father through affliction, other image bearers might be saved. Other human beings might taste the comfort and salvation of the Lord. Before graduation, I like to ask my older students uh, why they believe. What gives them confidence? What things, what factors give them confidence in following Christ and knowing that this faith that they hold is true as they head off to college? I get a lot of good answers, a lot of good answers about uh, growing up in a Christian family, uh, going to church a lot, apologetics, books that they've read, a lot of great answers. The most powerful answer I've ever received to that question comes from a young man whose father had been diagnosed with a truly severe medical condition. He had been on the brink of death, and their family had been and is in a brutal season. And he responded to my question by telling me of how he watched his parents wrestle in the midst of this season of suffering. Even when none of it made sense, he watched them at the end of the day throw up their hands and say, God, I do not understand this, but I know that you are good and I trust you. He watched them directly receive their comfort from God the Father. This was for him the cementing witness of the reality of God and his loving care in the midst of affliction. And I've watched this dynamic play out with other young people, testifying of the reality of their parents' faith that they saw play out in the midst of affliction and suffering. The comfort they watched their parents receive in the midst of suffering cemented their faith. This is nothing new. This is the pattern of the gospel's advance throughout the whole world. 
from the early church down through the spread of the gospel in Asia, Latin America, Africa today, where the gospel advances and there is suffering and persecution and affliction, that gospel message explodes. Andy Longwee, um, you gotta, you got to get him to share this story because he does it in a Scottish voice. But he tells, he tells a story that's really famous in Scotland of two Margarets. There was an older Margaret and a younger Margaret, and they were both arrested and imprisoned for uh, not confessing their loyalty to the Church of England. And um, they, they take the older and the younger, and they, they tie them up out in the waters of Scotland. And the waves are coming up, and they're telling them, you need to recant your beliefs, uh, confess loyalty to the, the King of England, and uh, you will be saved. And the older Margaret, she's put farther out in the waters, and uh, she drowns fairly quickly. But the younger Margaret who watches this, the soldiers are yelling at her, recant, 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 and she doesn't do it. Instead, she begins to quote Romans 8, what can separate us from the love of Christ? And they're getting angry, so they untie her and they bring her in. They're trying to get her to recant, and instead of recanting, she begins praying for the salvation of her persecutors. What would allow her to do that? having immense comfort from her father. What do you think the townspeople who watched this event unfold, what do you think they they saw? They saw the comfort of Christ advance. This is the pattern of the gospel. A couple of years back, Robert went through the book of 1 Peter in a series about living as exiles, reminding us that this indeed is not our home and that we ought to expect suffering. Brothers and sisters, we as middle-class American Christians have enjoyed one of the most comfortable times to be a Christian in the history of the church. We need to be aware and expect suffering. It will come. It's simply the reality of being a follower of Christ. It identifies us with his sufferings, and saints throughout the ages know this to be true. But I think our culture of comfort allows us to forget So when we face discomfort, affliction, suffering, how will we respond? Might it be possible that the discomfort that we are experiencing and getting a taste of over the last several months, might that be given to us so that we are awakened to the comfort of God and so are able to spread that comfort to our neighbors? Might it be possible that the discomfort, suffering, affliction that we experience be given that salvation might come to the lost of our city? to our neighbors when they see how we ourselves are comforted in the midst of suffering and affliction. That even and especially those we might call and think of as our enemies might be given witness in our suffering. This was indeed the goal of Christ's sufferings. Paul points us to this fact in verse 5 as he speaks of sharing in Christ's sufferings. That we who were enemies with God might receive salvation through the sufferings of Christ. The goal of his sufferings was your adoption and salvation. Let us suffer and endure afflictions and discomforts with this example. You know, I look back on getting on that plane uh, as being immersed back into a culture of comfort, and part of me really loved it. Part of me really loved getting back on an airplane, all of a sudden being confronted with all the comforts that I hold dear. But in a real way, I look back at it with mourning. At a deeper level, I look at it with mourning. The discomfort and at times fear that I experienced while being in Togo with Will, it drove me to dependence on the Father and finding a constant comfort in Him rather than on the various other things that I look to in a day-to-day life for comfort. 
even driving down those highways, uh, which I have never before lived out better or called a pray without ceasing than at that time. But it was like getting back into that oh-so-comfortable airplane, back into my Delta Comfort Plus seat, and a spiritual numbness falls over me, brought on by our culture of comfort. Let's not slip back into these false comforts that we've run to for so long. Let us go to the true source of comfort. What we saw this morning was Paul redefining our vision of comfort, of a strengthening encouragement, that God is the provider of true comfort, that the pattern of comfort is through suffering, and that the purpose of our suffering is the comfort and salvation of others. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for suffering that we might be brought near. Lord, I pray that you would use your word to bring these truths more deeply into reality in our hearts and our lives. Lord, I pray that we would be comforted in the midst of discomforts and afflictions and sufferings by your fatherly presence and care. Lord, that others, that people in our city, that people in our communities, that people in our neighborhoods might see the reality of you, who you are and what you are about through our lives. We love you, Lord. All this we ask in your name. Amen.